And I want us to have an overview today of the entire book of Joel. Uh, But before we do that, let's uh, just begin. If you want to stand with me in reading from chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. The prophet Joel writes, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hear that again. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for this time that Your Word can be opened. God, I thank You for the transforming power of Your Word to change hearts, to change lives, to correct unbelief and uh, bad thinking. Uh, God, to bring healing and power and authority to cast out demons in darkness, to, um, to bring in strength and hope and light. And we just pray for all those things today. God, that Your Word would bring glory to Your name, would bring sinners to salvation, and would edify and build up Your people today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you'd like to follow along in our sermon notes today and fill in the blanks, um, the highlighted words on the screen will, uh, will be what you can fill in. And so we want to start off today remembering what we looked at when we studied the book of Hosea uh, the, about Philip and the Ethiopian. Uh, Remember that story where God, the Holy Spirit, leads Philip and he tells Philip where to go and what to look for. And when Philip gets there, he finds uh, the Ethiopian in a chariot uh, reading the the book of Isaiah in the Bible. And, uh, And the Spirit tells Philip to go over there and to talk to the Ethiopian. Um, and, in, and in chapter 8, verse 29 through 31, um, he, you know, he says, he finds him reading, uh, and, and he says, do you understand what you're reading, Philip says to the Ethiopian. He says, how can I understand uh, unless somebody guides me, unless somebody tells me, uh, and then here's the invitation. And so the Ethiopian says, hey, come up and sit with me. Uh, and, uh, and he invites Philip to come, and Philip sit, sits with him, um, and they study God's Word together. And, uh, and so we looked at that with the book of Hosea, and I, and I want you to think about that for the book of Joel. If someone said, hey, would you sit with me and help me to understand the book of Joel in the Bible, would you be able to do that? Uh, would, you, would you be able, is that something that, that you hope could happen? That you hope you find somebody that's hungry to study the Bible and that you're seeking God and uh, seeking understanding in the Bible so that you can say, yeah, let's do that. 
let's sit down. I don't have, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't need to pretend to have the answers, but say, hey, let's sit down and open the Bible and study it together and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show us. Uh, so remember that story because that's so vital in, uh, in what it can look like to make disciples and for God to use you uh, to have enough knowledge of the Bible to just be able to sit down with somebody and, uh, and look it up. And even if you can't find it, you know where the front of the Bible has the concordance or the, the list in the front, right? The index. And you can uh, turn there and say, hey, well, here it is. Turn to this page, right? Um, and then also today, remember Romans 15.4. Uh, Romans 15.4 in the Bible. For whatever was written in former days... So that would include the book of Joel, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So when we study the Bible, wherever we're studying in the Bible, because now even what Paul wrote in Romans is former days for us, all of it was written so that we might, through endurance, through the encouragement of the Scriptures, have hope. We lose hope when we don't study the Bible. You'll see that in your life. If you drift away from God's Word, if you drift away from, from Bible studies and from listening and growing and sitting down with people and opening up God's Word, you're going to lose hope. Right? You're, you're going to lose hope. And, uh, and life is going to continue to hit you hard. And so we need endurance. We need encouragement through the Scriptures. So remember that today. Wherever you're studying in the Bible, God can use it to bring hope and strength to you. And I believe some of the Bible we, we study and, and, uh, and we may not always understand what it meant because maybe it was written in a different time. And, uh, but there's so much of the Bible that speaks directly to where we're at. And the book of Joel is one of those. Uh, and so also remember, we're living in the days of the Lord's grace before the great day of the Lord's wrath. And, uh, and that's what the book of Joel very clearly states. We're living in the days of the Lord's grace. You have grace today to, to believe, to trust in Jesus Christ, to turn to Him. Every day that grace is available, but there's coming a day of God's wrath where that grace will no longer be available. Where there will no longer be grace available to turn from the Lord. It will be only punishment. Righteous punishment. God's not going to punish anybody unrighteously. There's going to be nobody in hell that will have any ground to say, I don't deserve to be here. It's not fair that I'm here. Everybody in hell will know absolutely this is where I deserve to be. And everybody in heaven will be there by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we'll all be saying, I don't deserve to be here except for the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Savior and my Lord. And so remember that we're living in days of the Lord's grace. But there's coming a great day of the Lord's wrath. And so, it, it, Joel is important because Peter, uh, Peter in his first sermon used the book of Joel. Look at Acts chapter 2, 16 through 21. He says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So this is the day of Pentecost. Jesus ascends into heaven after He appears risen bodily. 
He appears after his crucifixion. People see him. They interact with him. They talk to him. He eats with them. And then he ascends into heaven and he tells them, you wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And then at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And they see signs and wonders. And so Peter uses that to quote the book of Joel to say this is what was prophesied. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on the male servants and the female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter in that sermon quotes saying, Pentecost was the day of that, that the Lord's grace came upon us and the Holy Spirit came upon us and we're living in that time. But there is going to come a day of the Lord's wrath. And so when we think about that and take that all in, keep in mind, remember, the Lord has a unified plan. No matter what happens in this world, God has a unified plan. He has an ultimate purpose, and that is to unite all things in Christ and through Christ to make all things new. God is doing that. Uh, There is a plan. There is a purpose for everything. And the ultimate goal is to unite all things in Christ and through Christ to make all things new. And so I'll give you some homework to look up that chapter that that chapter in Revelation, which is an important one for every Christian to know. But 2 Peter 3.13 says, But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth and rich in which righteousness dwells. So Jesus is going to renew everything. So remember that. Keep that in mind. And then remember the book of Joel. An easy way to remember the book of Joel is someone says, Hey, can you help me? It, it just divided up into two days. The day of the locust, which was a great invasion of insects that took over Israel in that time. And it was, it was caused by their sin. God sent it to get their attention. Uh, and it just destroyed everything. And then the day of the Lord. So the book of Joel can be divided up. Chapter 1, the day of the locusts where the prophet is reminding them of what God has done in sending this plague of locusts. And then he begins to talk to them about the day of the Lord. Let me read a quote from John Phillips in his book um, about the Old Testament. He writes, where is the quote? In exploring people of the Old Testament, he wrote, Joel was a giant. He was the first of a dozen giants Giants we sometimes call the minor prophets. Joel was taken up in his prophecy with two days. One was past, the other was future. The one focused on a natural disaster, the other focused on a national disaster. The one concerned a disaster that had just recently come and just recently passed, the other was far, far away 
on a distant future shore. The one day was the day of the locust. The other day was the day of the Lord. Everything that the prophet had to say focused on these two days. Focused on these two days. So remember that the day of the Lord and the day of the locust. And so we're living in a sense in in the day of the locust where any natural disaster could come upon us at any time. And it's out of our hands and it's out of our control. It's part of the curse. It's part of living in a world that has sinned against God, that God has cursed. But we look forward to that day of the Lord. Hopefully you're looking forward to that day where God makes things right. And so while we live in the day of the locust, let's remember, first of all, to listen to God's Word. Allow the wisdom of God to guide you and to lead you in these dark times. Uh, If you don't, you're going to lose hope. You're going to lose hope. Look at what Joel, he tells them. Hear this, you elders. Give ear, you inhabitants. Awake, you drunkards. Uh, Well, you drinkers of wine. He's telling them to wake up. Look at what the swarming locusts have done. Listen to God's Word. Don't allow the things of this world to cause you to lose sight of what God is doing. Allow the wisdom of God to guide you and to lead you. And then also, live awake and alert, he says. Wake up! Right? He says, awaken, you drunkards. Live alert to the coming judgment of God. Live alert to what God is doing, and but also to God's saving grace. That we're in a time of grace. We should rejoice in that every single day that God's grace is still available. You've got to wonder sometimes, why doesn't God just put an end to it? Why does does God give us another day with the way we live and the way we behave and how quickly we are to choose what people think over what God has said and what God has done and what God promises to do? And then also beginning in verse 8, he says, Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. He goes into the priest's mourning because the fields are destroyed and the grain is destroyed and the wine is dried up and there's no oil. He says, be ashamed, you tillers of the soil. While we live in the day of the locust, we've got to lament over the sin and brokenness in this world. You should expect that. There's going to be days where you're just saddened if you're a believer. And you know the wonderful grace of God. And you know salvation in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And you see people acting like fools, not believing in God. Living without hope. Living in darkness and sin and thinking, oh, it's so wonderful. We're having such a great time knowing they're heading for destruction. They're heading for hell. We're going to have days where we're sad about that where we lament about that and we've got to take that to the Lord. And we've got to intercede for those people in those times. And we should expect that. We're going to struggle as we see what you know, Satan apparently looks to us like he's winning. But we know he's not. And so we've got to lament with the hope and the joy of Jesus Christ. 
We've got to keep lifting our voices to the Lord. We've got to keep crying out for His mercy and for His help. We see that in, in 19 and in 20. To You, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has burned all the trees of the field. It says, even the beast of the field pant for you because the water brooks are dried up and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. We might feel like that at times. We've got to keep lifting our voices to God. Keep crying out for His mercy, for His help. We've also got to keep loving one another. Keep loving one another and, uh, and keep... Loving the hope and the truth of God's Word. God is going to restore what the locust has, has devoured. Right, The Lord is going to restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. Verse 25 reminds us of that. I will restore to you the years the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I send among you. And so whatever comes, whatever God uses to bring righteousness into this world, as God's wrath takes place, we've got to remember that God is going to restore whatever the locust has eaten. And that includes our past. Whatever Satan has done, whatever our own foolish decisions and sins have done, God can restore all of that. And we've got to love that truth and put our hope in that truth and love one another with that truth. Stop holding our sin in the past against each other. Stop holding grudges. Let it go because God wants to restore all that Satan has done. And then we've got to live in relationship to the living God. Live in relationship to the living God. Trust in His power to redeem and to restore and to renew. Joel 3.16, The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth quake, but the Lord is a refuge to His people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. And Jesus Christ is a refuge to all who run to Him, trust in Him, put their hope in Him. And so just like the nation of Israel in Joel's time, a blessed future is not dependent on abilities. It's not dependent on your accomplishments. It's not dependent on your acknowledgments who's giving you attaboys and saying great job or whatever. A blessed future is dependent on your relationship to the living God. Your relationship to God determines your future. And that was always true of the nation of Israel and it's true of us today. Even more so because we live in this grace where every single day I can live in a right relationship with God by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not by my works, but by what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross, I can be in a right 
relationship with God. I'm sure if you went out and you asked everybody, do you want a blessed future? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to live a blessed life? They'd all say, you bet I do. But if you then said the only way to be blessed is to live in a right relationship with God by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, by taking up your cross, denying yourself, and following Jesus Christ, they would say, oh, never mind. And that's what nation of Israel did. Oh, we know the Word of God. We have the prophets preaching to us, but we're going to do our own thing. We're going to go our own way. We're going to worship other gods. And it never worked. And so if you don't turn to Jesus Christ, if you don't deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, you can know this. You're not in a right relationship with God. People love to make God in their own image. They even try to make Jesus in their own image. But it doesn't work. The Bible is very clear about what it means to be in a right relationship with God. And that means that I'm putting all of my hope in Jesus. I'm worshiping no other God. I'm putting no trust in any other God or any other word from man other than the Word of God in Scripture. The Spirit inspired the Word of God. And all my hope is in the Bible. All my hope is in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. All that I need is provided in the Holy Spirit in my relationship with God the Father every single day. And that is a right relationship with God. But when I start doubting the Word of God, when I start twisting the Bible and trying to take it out of context and trying to make it user-friendly, try to make it appeal to people in the world, that's not going to work. That's not a right relationship with God. And it doesn't lead to a blessed future. The way to destruction is a wide road. It's an easy road and everybody's on it. So many are on that road to destruction. And that's the problem with it. While you're on that road, you think you're blessed. You think you're good. You're great. It's cool. We're having fun. We're doing whatever we want to. The problem is the end is destruction. The end is death. The end is eternal separation from God forever and ever in hell. And Jesus said the blessed future is a narrow gate and a narrow journey. And it's a difficult journey. And yet it leads to eternal life. And so I want to challenge you today. Are you in a right relationship with God? The prophet Joel was sent because Israel as a nation was not in a right relationship with God. And he called them on the carpet about it. Are you in a right relationship with God? Have you truly trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? And if you haven't, today's the day of salvation. There's no gimmicks here. We're not trying to sell you books. We're not getting paid more if we have converts or anything like that. All between you and God. Have you truly, do you know without a doubt if you were to die today, lightning struck you as you left this building, You'd be in heaven. You'd stand before God with the most blessed future any of us can have 
because you have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and you've put your hope in His sacrifice for you on the cross. And there is no other God in your life but the God of the Bible. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you trusted in Him with all your heart? And if you haven't done that, all you have to do is talk to God today. You begin to talk to Him. Share your heart with Him. Share your sin with Him. Confess your sin to Him. And invite God to wash you white as snow through the blood of Jesus Christ. No one can pray that prayer for you. It must be between you and God. But then we challenge you to make that public. God's not calling any of us to live secret lives. None of us are in the CIA of Jesus or anything like that. Every Christian is to be public about their faith in God. And that's an important step. Have you made that step to be public about your profession of faith in Christ? Do that today. If you haven't been baptized, that's an important step. Maybe God's calling you forward today to to make that step of faith to be baptized. Whatever it is, let God deal with you as we close in this time of invitation. Listen to God's Word today. Don't listen to me. Listen to God's Word. Live awake and alert. Lament over your sin and the sins of our nation that are bringing destruction to families and to lives all over this world. Love one another and love the hope and truth of God's Word. Live daily in a right relationship with God. Let's pray together. God, move in power today, not by might, not by uh, strength, but by Your Spirit. Move by power today, God. Move and, and, and bring many to salvation through Your mercy and Your sacrifice, God. We repent today of the sins of our nation, the sins of our leaders, God. The unbelief that's running rampant in young people today, God. Help us. Have mercy on us today. And as we close today, God, help each one of us here to know that we're in a right, saving, eternal relationship with You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close. <laughs>